Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. On episode 54 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, myself and Jeremiah are back and we're talking about positivity as West Ham, sure, lost to Liverpool, but things looked a lot better, including the fight in the boys. We previewed the Southampton match coming up and answer some Hammers polls questions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. It's episode 54, and it's been a little while since we chatted, and it's been a little while since it's been uh, one of the more OG crews, myself and Jeremiah, but tonight the boys are back in town. We're united, and we're ready to talk West Ham, and things aren't all that negative. But, uh, Jeremiah, how are you doing, man? It's been a while. Dude, it's been a while. I'm good. The uh, The sickness is over, and uh, I guess kind of the West Ham sickness is, uh, I guess, somewhat over. It wasn't too bad of a... Too bad of a showing, so not bad, man. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I can't complain. Uh, like you said, we know the West Ham sickness is over. I guess it yet to be determined. Uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday, but that could do. That could do a lot for motivations around uh, the West Ham world right now. But yeah, it's been a little while. I mean, we we took some time off with the international or not the international break, the the uh, winter break. Um, just because things weren't all that positive in the West Ham world and there wasn't even that much news to really chat about. And then uh, we took last week off just out of scheduling, uh, conflicting schedules between myself and you and Lou and all the regulars. So uh, we're back now anyways, that's all that matters. We're here for a uh, end of February update and we kind of have something positive to talk about, albeit it's a loss uh, at the hands of Liverpool. now, we lost by two goals to Manchester City, and we lost by one goal to Liverpool. Uh, it's you know it's kind of simple to answer, I think, but I really want to hear your, your thoughts on it. What was the difference in your eyes between the Manchester City match and the Liverpool match? I think kind of like what you already said, the, the simplicity of it was that you could tell that the players were actually um, kind of in it. I mean, from my eyes anyway, you could see they were in it, they were playing well for the most part passes were um they look good for the most part and the defense even though it sounds silly to say giving up you know giving up that many goals it was you know the defense still played pretty well at times especially against a team like liverpool it's 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 tough to judge typically whenever you play a team like that but they they looked pretty solid and 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 all in all i think what we've been complaining about or wanting to see more of was kind of a heart and kind of a passion and, and that was i think it was definitely somewhat there yeah, that's the main thing. It was effort, right? It was the effort mm-hmm. level that that was gone that that was gone missing against Manchester City. Um, 
Now, something that's almost re- re- revelatory on me. There we go. I got it. Uh, <laughs> re- revelatory. Um, West Ham, if you look at the team on paper, that's an attacking team. Even like a goal scorer, our first goal scorer was Issa Diop. Angelo Ogbonna scores. Um, Jeremy Ngakia spent a lot of time at right wing opposed to right back, although he's been more of a predominant right back, certainly for West Ham, but uh, in the uh, in the under-23 side. Aaron Cresswell, he isn't a dribble and take on left back, but he certainly is an offensive minded one, especially when you factor in his set piece uh, shooting. And then you look at the, you look at our, our team, the way it was set up and even the bench substitutions, West Ham have a team that's stacked full of attacking players. It's almost like when they set up at a five at the back system that employs, you know, wing backs to stay deep and not even be up almost acting like wingers, like how wolves usually play. The team switches off mentally because they think, you know, I, I'm not going to get a chance to score today or I'm going to have to run myself ragged in this one. Do you think there's maybe a, a bit of mental, I don't know, positioning that has to be done between Moyes, his team, and the tactics that they uh, that they employ on a, on a match day? Yeah, I think for sure. I think the one thing we forget about is they're all human beings, you know, just like you or I, except they get paid a lot more money and they're a little more physically fit than maybe <laughs> a myself. A little bit more money than me. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, they... Uh, yeah, I'm sure the confidence, and I'm sure that comes into play. You know, just the fact, and we, we've heard it all season with uh, Philippe Anderson, just not maybe taking it on as much or not just being as confident as you've seen. And we saw a little bit more of that at times. I won't say we saw the entire match out of him, but there's definitely something that comes into play that obviously had gone away, and it, it came back for the majority of this match. And, and it was good to see. The best part was obviously we kind of knew, you know, shocker, we were going to go down to Liverpool. And when that goal goes in, you automatically think, okay, here, you know, the floodgates are opening up. But then within a minute, you know, Issa Diop scores and just this kind of see that bounce back and to see it kind of uh, start from there. They were definitely in it. There was kind of like, I don't know how I felt about Bowen saying it earlier in the week, you know, the pressure was off and the pressure is not really on for this match. It kind of irked me the wrong way at first, but thinking about it, the pressure wasn't there. They just could go out and play. And I think that's exactly maybe what we needed at this point. You know, between we talked about the city match, there was a, a bunch of differences. A bunch of differences. Gosh, excuse me. Between now and then, and you just saw it. The pressure wasn't there, and maybe just going out and uh, keeping it so there's not that much pressure anymore, and just keeping it so there's out there being simple, playing a game that they know and that they're good at, and maybe that'll be the kind of turning point. But we're still here to see it like you said yeah and, and that, to your point about um bowen's bowen's words Moyes also had people upset but but in my estimation i disagree with you on this one a little bit here bowen and Moyes, like they're bowen's a footballer and Moyes is a is a football manager their, their job is not to i mean contractually it's to deliver messages to the media when asked but their job is not to be the prime communicator so when when Bowen says, "Oh, like the the pressure wasn't on," no, like no one expects us to win. Everyone's like, "Oh, you should always have a winning mentality." But it's and both both things are not mutually exclusive. That can be true. Like you know what I mean? Like no one expected West Ham to win. No one expected West Ham to be in this match, especially after that that showing against Manchester City. But Moyes made a tactical change. The players looked almost relieved. Felipe Anderson, uh, we can talk about specific player performances, but just to, to go with Felipe Anderson, you can tell he was tense coming back, likely for coming back from injury uh, and not having as much time on the ball as he would against a, a mid-table or bottom-half team, uh, opposed to Liverpool, certainly with Naby Keita and Fabinho draped all over him. But uh, when, when you look at a player like him, he grew into the game based off of, you know, just, just basically, I don't even know, like just... 
being natural, you know, letting the ball come to him. He pulled out of a lot of challenges, and again, um, that's something we saw him weed out of his game uh, as he's developed into a Premier League player, and it could be something that is just a bit on the back of his mind coming off of injury again, especially a back injury, which can be debilitating whether, you know, you, you knock your knee and it pulls something in your back or you fall down awkwardly. So it, that could have been the mental game with that. Um, but Anderson grew into the game. Antonio stayed on for the full 90 minutes, which was remarkable. Uh, Snodgrass always puts in a shift nonstop. Even Noble, he, he doesn't have the, uh, I, I guess, the... I don't know what to say, the edge he's he's had in his in his heyday, but he's still in for every ball. Declan Rice is looking more and more people are saying they want him to go back to center back. I think you think he's probably our best center back. I think you've said uh before he's, you know, statistically and naturally our best center back on the team, which is probably true, but he's looking more and more like a box to box midfielder because he's going forward with such positivity and belief in himself and he puts he puts in a beautiful cross that gets put in the back of the net so i think you know while, while the message may be sound maybe sounding defeatist in itself oh there's no pressure on no one expects us to win against liverpool Moyes said these weren't big games because no one expected a result the big games are coming up in the in the weeks to come people are getting upset about that i think it's completely right and it's actually a bit of honesty and for a fan base that's crying out for their board to be honest and straightforward and clear with them you know, it's a bit of a it's a bit of the pot calling the kettle black here because now you're upset when the when the the manager and the players are saying, yeah, no one's expecting us to win at Liverpool. Liverpool haven't lost in over a calendar year in the Premier League. Do we really think that West Ham's going to be the team that upsets them? Not really in the outset, but you know, the game script changed. And thank you for letting me have my diatribe there. Yeah, no, we're we're a tough bunch, aren't we, West Ham fans? We we cry out for some people for have truth and honesty, God, but we don't. Fickle. We don't want other. We're so fickle. I love it though. I wouldn't have it. I'm ready to top of the list of the most fickles they come probably, but yeah, no, I agree, man. I think it's, I get, you know, we'll agree to disagree on that. It, to me, it was frustrating, but at the same time, you're right. There was nothing on there. And man, if we could have pulled anything out, if we could have kept it as a draw or gosh, if we could even figure out a way to win, we'd be talking about something completely different right now. And so, yeah, all in all, it sounds weird to take it in a weird way, but it's, it's definitely something better than what I thought was going to happen. Uh, so, a question I want to ask you, and this will sort of bleed into the, the discussion on goals. We can go through that goal by goal. Um, the goal against the first one, should do you think Fabianski, Fabianski when he's comfortable and in his prime, has that save made on the Wijnaldum header, right? Yeah, I think so. I, think, I don't know what happened if he got caught off guard. There was nobody really defending him. I think um, I was watching it on my phone because I was at work, so shh, if any of my bosses <laughs> are listening. But uh, it looked like Stodgrass might have been on him, but it didn't. You know, he kind of seemed alone on there, so he kind of had the opportunity he wanted. And yeah, I don't, I don't really put that on Fabianski too much. Yeah, the first, this, the first one, the same thing, <laughs> specifically the first one. Yeah, like he, it, it hits him in the hand. So I don't know. My dad always taught me. He, he was a football player. My dad always taught me if you can touch it, you can catch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, I know it's a different sport, but the same mentality goes. If you can, if you can get a finger to it, you know, you could maybe you can keep it in front of you or push it around the post. I think it just, like you said, caught him off guard because everyone except for uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and uh, a late Aaron Cresswell thought that ball was going out for a corner. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he whipped that cross in it. I mean, with pinpoint accuracy, it's almost it's almost ridiculous how good he is mm-hmm. at, at creating. Um, and then when Yeldon gets ahead on it, but again, he's moving backwards away from the ball and it's across the net. So, you feel for the whole team in that one because it's a it's a surprise goal and it's a preventable one. But again, if it was Snodgrass marking him, I can't remember, so I'll take your word for it. That should probably be 
Ngakia's man, or at the very least, Issa Diop's man, uh, playing on the right side of the center back duo. So Snodgrass, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna slate him either for not marking someone in the box on a ridiculous <laughs> head, uh, cross sent over from Trent. But regardless, the goal goes in. But like you said, the heads didn't drop. The team go down. They get, I think, three corner kicks in quick succession, um, mm-hmm. just by just by p- pressing and overlapping and playing down uh, by the goal line there. And, and what comes from it is Robert Snodgrass proving he's undroppable for this team and sending in a delicious, delicious corner kick. And, and Diop gets the goal. Not much to dislike about the effort. And, and what's better than the goal? What's better than the delivery? is when the you know they do like the camera when it's looking at the net from across the pitch almost Mm -hmm. from one net to the other and it's zoomed in um you could see Ngakia was walking back and uh Ogbonna had his arm around him and they're covering their mouths and they're talking to each other heads Mm -hmm. weren't down learning moment this is what happens Liverpool scores goals here's how we can make up for it stick wide right keep keep an eye on your man uh you know when in doubt clear your lines I don't know that's all know paraphrased and and made up in 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 my mind here but you know the the message stays the same like just kind of keep the course uh it it, not once did this team look defeated and that's i think what's most important about that first goal because they completely i mean anfield turned into a library after fornell scored too of course you hear that all the time you hear the jokes about how it just turns quiet the second that anything's going bad and it did you could hear west ham fans Every single time that they cheered and chanted, it, it was it was great to hear. It was, it was fun watching it on TV. I wish you could have been there. To, that should be a part of it. But yeah, just seeing it, hearing it, and that goal, the goal was I mean, it was an impressive header. It was down. I think that uh, I think Alisson thought it was going to be up or at least somewhere in the middle, but it went down and completely caught him off guard. And I love watching Diop's celebrations. I think he's just kind of <laughs> he's a character in himself. He had to throw out the little the tongue out, the little wink there at the very end. And um, yeah, it was it was good to see. It's it's refreshing to have something good to talk about because man how as you know doing podcasts and writing all the time like how tough does it get after a while it's just the same old constant negativity and it's 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 good to have a little bit of refreshment absolutely and west ham see at the 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 rest of the first half seeding pressure to in possession to liverpool but they make it through level uh and then to start the second half a minute in thomas suchek drops and realistically this is the biggest loss for for west ham he's out for two to three weeks with a low grade hip injury hip flexor injury um we we can we can touch on that most likely in, in the hammers pulls section at the end of this um but pablo fornells comes on and another point that no one is crediting david moyes for we all know he loves manuel lancini he selected pablo fornells immediately there wasn't a hesitation as soon as suchek dropped fornells is up this is what we're doing this is where we're going and you know you'd like to think it's the fan pressure that's factoring into this but fornells <laughs> fornells is an undeniable talent and he comes on and he, and he makes an impact. 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, he, he's putting a ball in the back of the net on some great counterattacking football and then possession being held. What did you see on that second goal? What did you like about Fornals' positioning and, and Rice getting the ball to him there? Dude, like you said earlier, the cross in was fantastic. You know, Rice continues to amaze. And, you know, he is our best center back, but going off <laughs> of anything else, like he needs to be in the midfield. And I love seeing him going forward. You know, he. He's got that excitement about him, and he still has the ability to get all the way forward and get back just as quick. You know, he, not a lot of speed about him, but anyway, I digress. We're talking about the goal. Um, yeah, great cross in. Fornals was right there. He, didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of hesitation to it. He hesitated enough to kind of see where he wanted to put it, and he put it in. And uh, yeah, all in all, it was good to see. It was sad to see Suchek go out. Obviously, that that man was all over the pitch in the first half, and 
he was really putting in a shift. But Fornals was the right guy to come in. Moyes did the right thing. And, you know, it, it got paid off for it with Fornals putting it in the back of the net. And it looked good. It was good to see, too, because I think at the very beginning of the season, you saw Fornals look more for the pass and for the assist, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing to have. But he saw that. He had that opportunity, and he took it. And this is a goal that was reminiscent of his highlights from the uh, World Cup in, in the summer where he would follow the striker in and then just pull back a little bit. And before the cross came in, he takes a half step back and it creates the space on Joe Gomez and, and there's nothing you can do. He hits it first try. And like you said, like you perfectly – you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, he, he He's now – it's not like he's choosing shot over pass now. He's just making the right decision. And to step up and prove that you're – learning and growing against the Liverpool back line, who is arguably the best defensive back line. I don't even think it's arguable uh, in, in world football. That's a, that's a stunning, a stunning, you know, growing, growing step right there, building block for him. And, and I love the salute. He was, he was through the roof excited too. And so were the rest oh, of yeah. the boys. Oh, the, but uh, the. nevertheless, all good things must come to an end. And <laughs> on my phone, I heard a buzz and I looked, which is the, the rule of uh, watching on, streams across the world you don't mm-hmm. look at your phone and i see muhammad salah scores uh what followed was a beautiful cross finding him in the middle of the penalty area nobody around him and i thought to myself oh what a what an easy goal for him and mm-hmm. he instead shoots it through the defender's legs through fabianski's legs and it trickles over the line um this is the worst goal we've seen fabianski let in hands down right it is and uh it's frustrating because you want to be mad about it but at the same time i mean Fabianski has been the savior for what a good point of two years now. And I mean, anytime he's been out, it's been felt. So you're frustrated by it. People make mistakes. He's going to make a mistake. And he, he did. And it was a, it was a horrendous mistake, but at the same time, I mean, it's got to kind of get over it because the dude has pulled us out of jams more often than not. But yeah, you're absolutely right, dude. It was uh, probably one of the more atrocious goals I've seen him let in, in his career. He's, He's had a, quite a lot of opportunities at Swansea, so on and so forth. Yeah. Oh, for sure. In Arsenal, I mean, Flappy Hansky started there. Yeah. So, uh, as Scott aptly put, uh, but yeah. I, I think you're completely right. The knee-jerk reaction is, "Come on, I could have saved that schoolboy mistake." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And it's true. This game falls. Uh, you know, spoiler alert: West Ham lose it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, this this game solely falls on Fabianski for the first goal, which again. A, a, the Fabianski we know and love last year's Fabianski stops that first one. Uh, and the second one, of course he stops that. And even the third one reads it, reads the deflection a bit quicker. Uh, mm. We can jump to that. Uh, a broken play comes back in a deflection off of, I think it was uh, Agbana or, or Rice uh, shoots the ball up in the air. The first person to react to it is for me, uh, not for me, is Salah. He puts the ball across the front of the net and, and uh, Sadio Mane taps it in Um and almost, you know, to, to the point that we were talking about earlier with heads not dropping, the perfect response to this was West Ham and David Moyes going, okay, game on. Felipe Anderson, you're off. Out of this could have, that could have happened before. Sebastian Allaire's on. Antonio, you're now a left winger. And Robert Snodgrass, you're off. Jared Bowen's on. We're going for the win here, boys. And they got turned around on a counterattack and a disallowed goal from VAR and offside. Ruled that out. Um, which, again, would not have been the case last season. That goal would have stood. Uh, it was only on a check, not from the linesman uh, who caught it, that it was offside. But it was a close call anyways, but regardless, offside. West Ham continued attacking. Mark Noble had a beautiful chance. The corner kick uh, was scrambled. Uh, West Ham got robbed of another corner kick off of the deflection at the end of the game. 
Uh, again, no one's talking about that, but regardless, <laughs> uh, the heads didn't go down. The attitude was we need to win this game, and that is something that, or, or get back in this game, and that is something completely missing in recent weeks, and is I guess the main reason for me about why this is different now. Uh, do, do you see anything, anything, anything else in, in that end of the game there? Yeah, no, that was huge. I think the the substitutions. So I'm going to go back and forth on my word a little bit on the substitutions, but with the substitutions, he he made a good a good call at the right time. They were attacking subs, and that's something that you know we cried out for under Pellegrini, and we very very rarely ever saw it. Um, it's just you know something we've been wanting, and we, and we got it. I kind of, in a way, disappoint not disappoint disapprove of uh, of the Allaire over Anderson. I think. At the time, Anderson was kind of finally getting into the groove and, and kind of letting the game finally come to him and, and taking advantage of it. And somewhat disappointed with, with the timing of that. Um, either way, it worked out fairly well. And it was good to see Alair get out there, finally get a shot on that, even though it went straight to the keeper. But all in all, it was, it was that, I guess, was my only gripe to it if I had to pick a gripe. But other than that, you're right. It was good attacking substitutions for Nals. You know, that was that kind of had to happen. But other than that, you know, bringing in Bowen, getting Bowen the more reps and the more time that he can. And, you know, he had a, a great opportunity as well. Uh, you know, all in all, I can't complain. It, it's it's tough to find somewhere to complain and, and why do it if there's nowhere to do it. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll argue that maybe the Anderson substitution was uh... – was made out of the idea of, you know, he's it's his first game back from injury, so give him an hour, and 65 mm-hmm. minutes maybe leans into that. Um, and that could have been pre-agreed to, and that could have been something the physio, you know, sets in stone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've slated the physio for rushing players back. So, uh, again, the the fickleness of us West Ham fans, never happy no matter what. Um, <laughs> we'd win the league and be upset that we got knocked out in the finals of the FA Cup, I swear. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, and then the PlayStation shuts off. But anyways, uh, yeah, like like you said, like Bowen comes in, makes an instant impact. He looked great against Manchester City, transformed the game at the end there, and he comes in here and and makes an unbelievably well timed run, and the save literally goes off of the massive head of, of, of Allison and Net. So like you know what can you what can you say about that? He he had a he had he came in the eighty fourth minute, so he had nine minutes to make an impact, and he he had our best chance on goal from open play uh, that wasn't converted. So. Crazy, crazy, crazy end of that game. I have never I, – I can't remember the last time I felt that excitement in my chest when Pablo Fornell scored because oh. I fully expected West Ham to get turned over in this one. Yeah, no, I was uh, – I had to leave, so I'm driving at that point. So I turn on the radio, which arguably sometimes is more fun to listen to it on the radio than actually watch it on TV. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the announcers were going nuts. They were – it wasn't uh, – I'm trying to think who was announcing it, but neither of them were West Ham fans, but they were going nuts because they couldn't believe that Liverpool was actually losing – let alone losing at home. Uh, yeah, the, the excitement was back. And I think that even after giving up the two two goals and, you know, losing the match, it's uh, it's something that we're just excited to have a little bit again. Kind of like we were talking about in our little group chat, just the excitement's there, the heart the heart's fluttering a little bit, the, the care and emotion are back. Because um, before, you know, you, you see comments floating around Twitter and it's floating around between us, like, I don't even care. You know, like the caring's kind of gone and, there's this whole negative outlook to it, and I think it still might be there a little bit. I mean, we're still in the relegation zone. We still have a decent amount of interesting games coming up, but there are a lot of easy games, too, that if we can play this way, then we should be able to take advantage of it and, and bump up just a bit and get out of there. 
And with that, I think we should put an end to the chat with this Liverpool game. The positives are there. You and I both agree there's a lot more positive to take out of this than negative. And, um, you know, hopefully we, we smack Southampton around who um, are under – people are under this belief that Southampton's in great form. That Southampton's come and gone. That's a January mm-hmm. Southampton. They have not been anything mm-hmm. spectacular in, in February. And uh, hopefully we can put the, the pedal to the metal on them. But we'll talk about that after a quick – break in a a word from some of our sponsors for West Ham fans everywhere this is the ultimate football app for you for match highlights interviews and the best West Ham videos and podcasts download the free COY Irons app now from the App Store and Google Play up next for West Ham is a home match against Southampton uh, and no one can ever tell me differently Uh, (laughs) the Saints as I mentioned before the break there many people are talking about you know them jumping out of the relegation zone being on form, West Ham having a tough battle against them. And I certainly believe West Ham will have a tough battle coming up against Southampton. Uh, It'll be a game that West Ham need to really set their sights on and focus on closing the game out, getting out to a start like they did against Brighton, and then finishing it like they did against Liverpool by by attacking them, not shutting down, not putting an extra defender on, trying to go for the throat and win. Um, But uh, Jeremiah, let me just read you some results here. I'll read them reverse uh, going into the end of... uh, the end of January, where they got their last result. Uh, their last match, they lost. Uh, they beat Aston Villa two two nothing, which is you know good on them. Aston Villa are a team that are completely underperforming right now, uh, and, and will likely be in the relegation battle till the end of the season. Before that, they lost two one to Burnley. Before that, they got beat in the FA Cup uh, fourth round replay by Tottenham. They got beat four nothing by Liverpool. Uh, and then they drew so, uh, Tottenham in the fourth round, uh, first leg of that uh, of that FA Cup match. Uh, and then they had beat Crystal Palace 2-0 before getting beat by Wolves uh, and coming up with a shocking result against Southampton. So the points are there for them, but they're not scoring a ton of goals. And if you watch the game, Aston Villa missed and didn't take a lot of chances in it and really let themselves down i am not so fully impressed with southampton i think a lot of people now are getting surprised by them but there's almost this uh, illusion around them that they're better than they are they're the same team they're just starting to perform a little bit better it's the same personnel uh they still have center backs that can be beaten with physical play and i think we have a team that can take them down what are your thoughts on southampton as a team this season and do you fancy west ham to get a result here so you're right. I was definitely one of those fans that kept thinking in my head, like, this is going to be a tough match because they've been playing pretty well. And then you go back and read the results. I'm like, all right, maybe maybe not as much. So they, they kind of have this facade about them. And I think that Danny Yangs helps a lot with that. He's kind of had a, you know, can say kind of bad. He's had a really <laughs> decent season. And he's really kind of put them back on the map, so to speak. And that's helped him out a lot. And I, I do think that he he seems to always find a way. And he's always been – we've always had trouble – against him and uh, he's a good striker to have on you know on your own team not the opposition but I think all in all they they are a team that we need to win this is obviously a a must win game and it's kind of where my hesitation I I let my fickleness kind of get in the way of being excited because we almost beat Liverpool to now I'm like all right well let's just hopefully we can keep this going up against Southampton and um and keep rolling with it because wouldn't it just be us to go in and, and and be so excited about it and be so ready to go and you know fired up and have the pressure on because we needed to win and completely just let it slip so i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole but i'm saying it's you know it's definitely in the back of my mind but hopefully we come out and we put up like four or five and just completely change the course of our season 
When looking at the team here, kind of an interesting lineup uh, from Southampton when they played Aston Villa, most notably because James Ward-Prowse was playing right back for them. Uh, mm. But th- their team, you know, Shane Long is a pace merchant. He got a goal in this match. Stuart Armstrong uh, tends to blow hot and cold. He blew cold for the entire first half of the season, and much like the year prior, he's finishing really strong uh, with Southampton. Here, he got a goal in this one as well. Danny Ings, as you mentioned, an unstoppable talent, it seems, this season. Um, Ryan Bertrand looked good in this game too. Uh, but I think two players that go under the radar are Kjoiberg, their captain in the midfield. Uh, he is really, really, really strong. Uh, there's a reason he came uh, so highly regarded. I think he came from Bayern Munich, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and their new winger, Gineppo, uh, he's their left winger. He, he's so quick on the ball, so tricky. He'll give... And Gaki had problems much like Sadio Mane did, just based off of pure speed and dribbling ability. Mm. So I, I don't get me wrong, I'm not looking down on this team at all. I think they're a really well-composed team, and they have a system they like to play. Get the ball out wide, run in, and then overload the box. And that's where you see Hjoiberg stepping up. Uh, I don't know much about Smallbone. I think he, he was a debutant in the Premier League uh, for them, so you know, good on him for getting up there. But... You know, they have delivery from Ward-Prowse and Bertrand that can make a difference. And, and you know, they have conversion in Ings and Armstrong and, and Long who can really make no mistake. And then you have Hjoiberg who we've seen have wonder goals from miles out. So it's a good team. Um, Stevens and Bednarek, an underrated center back duo. But on paper, I think West Ham have a stronger team here. Uh, my question comes to you then. What formation do you see West Ham playing uh, when they enter this game here? Hopefully, uh, I still want to see four at the back. I liked, I mean, I, I know we kind of switched off and on this past game, but we kind of had a solid four at the back from what I could tell. And, and that was good to see. And I think that was something we needed to get back to. The simplicity of it gives you more midfielding, gives you more attacking chance. And I've always, I was excited to see what Moise was going to bring in whenever you know he's going to come with either three at the back, five at the back. But the more you have back, obviously, that's the more you're going to invite attackers to go that way as well. So I, I think that having more people forward, did help us out. Our strength of both Cresswell and Ngaki have played really well, and I think that that's going to be it's going to be key going forward, especially in this match, to see how they do. Southampton's a lot like uh, a lot like us in a way, where if they're if they're on, you know, look out, they might actually be pretty good. If they're not, they're not. So hopefully, we see a four at the back. I'd love to see. I'm going to continue with the whole four four two idea. I think putting either Alaire and Antonio, or Antonio and Bowen, or Bowen and Alaire. You pick. Pick two of those three. I don't really care. Put them up front, and then you got to have the likes. Of, you know, Snodgrass still has to be in there. Fornell still has to be in there. Rice has to be in there. I mean, I would even put argument that maybe Felipe Anderson starts again. So I think having a four-four-two that would be my uh, preferred elongated answer. Four-four-two. Yeah. I like it, and I like the, how the team would essentially pick itself there. And um, the big question becomes who who replaces Suchek, and I think the easy answer is. Uh, Mark Noble plays a less advanced role, and you let you know the Lanzinis and the Fornals and the Snodgrasses play a more central attacking role, uh, mm-hmm. if need be. For me, I'm sticking with the four-three-three. Smokey Jones, you've worn me down. I like the way it looked against Liverpool, and I'd love to see it against a, a team where West Ham can hold the ball a little bit more uh, and overload. It, it's it kind of lines up as a four-two-three-one in a sense because Rice and Suchek were so for so far back. I don't mm-hmm. think you'll get that with um, with Noble being as adventurous as he is. But um, for me, I'm going with the same back four. And Gakia, you know, he's earned more than the right to start. Fabianski obviously starts. Diop, Ogbonna, Cresswell. Uh, and then, you know, you for me, the 4-3-3, my midfield three would be 
Rice in the middle, Noble on one side, uh, or Noble and Rice sort of anchoring a team with four nows in the middle. Uh, and then I would put... I'm so torn with attacking options here. I, I would put Felipe Anderson on the left, Mikel Antonio in the middle, and Jared Bowen on the right. And then my my two subs would be Snodgrass and Allaire coming in because I think those two can make magic together. But like I'm torn between I want Allaire to start. He's got goals in him. You know the goals can really start to roll downhill. He he he. he I know he's gonna score goals. You know this is a tough one for me. I it sounds like this. I don't envy. Um, I don't envy Moise's position, but. You know, I, I also would be inclined to drop an attacking midfielder in Fornals or uh, Lanzini or whoever you may have there and go with a second striker and put Antonio with a layer up top. But I just don't know. It, it'll be a tough one to see. But on paper, there's not too many areas I would upgrade West Ham players with uh, Southampton players. I mean, maybe Bertrand for Cresswell. And I don't know. That's maybe Hjoiberg for for Noble. But I guess I don't know. Like it on paper, when we've been saying this all, all season, on paper West Ham is a strong team. They should be in European contention, if not sitting happily in one of those places. But um, you know, that's why you play the games. Are you confident of West Ham getting a result? Uh, that's tough. <laughs> I think that uh, I, I I am in a way. I think that if they if, tell you what, if they come out and they play like they did against Liverpool, then absolutely they come out with the same mentality. They're gonna. I'm not gonna say crush Southampton, but they're gonna play really well against them. If they, if this was kind of like how we played against Chelsea and looked really good against Chelsea earlier in the season, and then the rest of the the following month fell apart, you know, if we're just up for one match and that's it, if we're only able to get up and and maybe you know this this loss to Liverpool actually did add some negativity to it to the minds, which it shouldn't have, but you never just you just never know, man. It's such a fickle sport. We talk about fickle fans, but. <laughs> Football itself is incredibly fickle with just the your you know the concept of it and and the the players' confidence and the mentality going into the match. So I do think that we are going to get a result out of it. Um, uh, yeah, I would say we're probably going to get all three points, but it's not going to be as easy as we probably hoped or believed. Because on paper, you're absolutely right. I've been arguing with people all year about how on paper we are a really good team, and they have to come out and show it. But it's frustrating. South, it's Southampton. Southampton in a way. When you were talking about the players that they have, you sound like you're talking a lot about West Ham too. You talk about Hoiberg in the middle, a lot like Noble, except maybe better. You know, they have good attacking, they have good wingers, whether that's defensive, you know, like wing backs, or that's actually attacking wingers. Um, a lot of solid similarities, and so I think that they are going to go neck and neck. And I just think maybe being at home, if the fans can get into it a little bit, and the players have that confidence, then yeah, it should be a, a decent win. It's just not going to be as easy as I think that it would come around to. Yeah, that's the thing. If West Ham turn up and show up like they want to actually play in this game, it'll be a win that I think is handily in their favor. If they overlook the match because they were the team that you know had a run with the most Spursy comment of all, you know, game put the pressure <laughs> on uh, at Liverpool and start believing their own hype, then it's going to be a bloody mess in favor of Southampton. So I- I'm I'm still torn on this one. I think there's a lot of positives that are coming up for West Ham. Uh, and if they can build on the momentum they picked up against Liverpool, I'm with you that it should be three points. Um, again, a, a game like this against a player, li- or a team rather like Southampton. I mean, let me pull up the table here. Southampton sit in 12th place with 34 points. West Ham are 24 points. So you know, stealing three points away from West Ham puts them one game behind them. 
Uh, if West Ham stealing points from Southampton, rather, puts them one game behind them. So these are really important games that are coming up. Every game against someone other than Arsenal, or sorry, yeah. Wolves, I would, I would say, even Arsenal, 37 points. Like, if you start picking off wins, you're, you're looking at mid-table again, especially mm-hmm. with games coming up against Wolves, Arsenal, Southampton. Um, I mean, Spurs, 40 points. It's not crazy to say that they're, they're you know, still close enough to West Ham. So, I mean, they're closer to West Ham than they are Liverpool. Um, so they, they got to get wins here. And, you know, one point is one point. It kicks the can down the road and takes a game away from you. You need to start getting three points. Mm-hmm. And you need to sort of hunker down and, and start playing like you're set up on paper, I suppose. Um, all right, Jeremiah, any final thoughts on the Southampton game? No, it'll be exciting to see, you know, actually having a normal uh, weekend match too will be nice for us uh, us fans that watch it on TV. I'm excited for that. The, my morning of uh, my Saturday morning tradition will be back. So I'm so happy with that, man. It's yeah. like leaving work and like having my my phone jacked in my car holder or my cup holder, like trying to get the audio to come. Oh my God, it's it's a mess. <laughs> it's a, I'm happy. With, it's safe to say I'm happy and I, and I share your uh your sentiment there the 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 saturday rituals back on um we will take a quick break here and when we come back we will answer some hammers polls questions the final segment of the podcast uh, falls back on our good friends at hammers polls on twitter that is at hammers polls uh, hammerspolls.com as well uh, you can get featured snap poll saturdays to win some cool prizes as well uh you know stay up to stay up to the to date on everything west ham and you know the voice of the fans the fan pulse as we say uh, and Jeremiah, this will be almost like a lightning round because it's just yourself and myself for this one. And there's, you know, not a snake draft, so to speak. So I'll ask you and I'll throw my uh, my thoughts in afterwards on these questions. And we will start here. Uh, following Gonzo Big Nose video for Hammers Chat. Uh, some great guys there as well. Who do you put on the right wing against Southampton? Is it Jared Bowen or is it Robert Snodgrass? I love the idea of Bowen, but uh, I can't seem to put snodgrass out right now he keeps coming up with things and the dude's got heart and he's got leadership so as tough as it is to say i'm gonna keep snodgrass in there yeah i mean it's tough to drop him um something i think that could factor in is felipe if felipe anderson's used his corner kicks are fine and as well bowen i believe is a solid set piece taker so that could replace it i don't think either would be up to the level of snodgrass as, as you brought up that's his huge that plus his effort and um, leadership again like you mentioned is what makes him stand out and uh, he's i mean he's our leading uh you know the most contributions to goal this season so um i think i think this is the game where you see bowen go in i mean you could even say to someone like snodgrass like he got the crap kicked out of him against liverpool uh and he's been playing a lot of games in succession lately buy him a half off give him you know give him a little bit of a rest if you don't have to use him you don't have to um he's also good to come on as a sub and and take a nice yellow card almost immediately to break up a counter-attack so i don't hate that idea either but this i think could be the crowning moment of bowen stepping out for west ham as a starter and i would be okay with that because it's at home as well and i think you really want to insulate him with that positive mentality um let's vote here there's 249 votes on it um Jeremiah, give me a number between 1 and 10. 8. Okay, we're going with Snodgrass. Ooh, 74% of people voted for Bowen to start mm. over Snodgrass. And I think that's probably the excitement of, let's see what we got here for an extended run, right? I suppose so. I suppose that could be it, yeah. 
Uh, who is this? This question's from at Tony Pearson two P I E R S O N, uh, and then the number two. Who's in the starting eleven for Southampton? Bowen, Anderson, both or neither? A similar question, but uh, again, do you see maybe a winger or wide player get sacrificed for an extra striker? What do you think? Both or neither, or one or the other? Well, I think since I said Snodgrass would start over Bowen, um, if this is my starting eleven, if we're playing FIFA, then I'm going to go with. I think Anderson. I think. To me, crappy start, but man, he really turned it on towards the end. And you could see, the, you could see the frustration on him on his face whenever he was getting taken off. That he obviously wanted to stay out there and keep playing. And like you said, maybe it's a physio or who knows. But yeah, I think that he's earned himself with the way the second half went. He's earned himself another start. Yeah, I would, I would have said both, uh, and I clicked vote by accident, so I know that I'm. I'm with the fans here. Anderson himself got a 9.6% voting rate on this. Um, the ne- the lowest was neither at 2.5, so that's mm-hmm. good. You know, Anderson's back. He did 65 strong minutes, and like you and I both said, he grew into the game. Um, Bowen, 30.6%, and both was 57. Uh, I think if you're going to beat Southampton, you're going to get you're going to you know draw them in and then expose them on a counterattack. Uh, because they're you know James Ward-Prowse is not a natural defender. If he's playing right back for them, get Felipe Anderson nutmegging all the way down there. And it was good to see Felipe had a couple nutmegs against Liverpool. Uh, yeah, the, the yeah, nutmeg king is slowly returning. Um, so I think both. I I like the, again I like the idea of of Bowen getting the start at home, and I like the idea of Anderson um, getting a, a second successive start and basically saying, all right, you're back, you're our, you're a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I don't think there's a wrong answer there other than neither uh, because both players are dynamic. Love to see what we have there. Um, this question was 13 hours ago, 710 votes on it, and a lot of the comments. I mean, when a, when, a, when a question has two likes and 16 answers, uh, 16 comments on it, rather, pretty, pretty sounding that it's a, an upsetting question. Um, who starts in goal for the next game, Fabianski or Randolph? Clearly, Clearly, it's Fabianski. Uh, yeah. Nothing against Randolph, but you know everyone. Like we talked about, he made a mistake, or maybe two mistakes. But all in all, it's you know you got to get past it and move on. He's the he's the leader in between the pipes, and he he's been playing well, and he saved us on more than one occasion. So yeah, just after one goal like that, you can't just give up. Completely agree, and you know you back the player who's dug you out of so many holes so so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, Fabianski, ninety three point seven percent agree with us. <laughs> Uh, completely agree. And this this question tracks back to the the Liverpool game, which we're into now. Um, not too many complaints about tonight's performance, as the team did all they could. Who was your man of the match? The options are Diop, Ogbana, Ngakia, or Antonio. Mm, Who that's tough. That's tough because the first three names that you said would all have, have popped up. I think Ogbana played like a lights out match. There was I didn't think there was one single thing he did wrong the entire time. Uh, I mean, definitely tell me if if he did, but I I thought he played well. I you know I did the player ratings afterwards, and I struggled not giving him a ten. So I just thought he played out lights out. You you didn't hear much from him, so it was just very much business like and and kind of he did his thing. But once again, he's just he's just out there playing hard. I will kind of throw in there. I could maybe make two picks on this. And Gaki is I, I love the guy. He 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 looks great out there. He was on Mane you know most of the match like pretty much the entire match and he, he did pretty well you can see him out there he definitely looked uncomfortable at times but i think snodgrass did a good job of kind of reeling him in and helping him out kind of switching back and forth on that right side so i guess if i had to pick one i would go with Ogbana, but he'd be close too 
Yeah, and, and Gakiek won this vote. I voted for Diop because I thought him and Ogbonna played similarly defensively. Both mm-hmm. players made some vital interceptions and, and headers away, but Diop had the goal, so I gave the, the edge to him. Um, but Ngakia wins this one with a 45.5% rate. Ogbonna's next, 34.8. Diop, 13.7. And maybe we can talk about this a little bit. Antonio had 6% here. I've seen a lot of people slating him a little bit for how he played. I don't think he played bad in a sense i think he he maybe let people down a little bit i thought he against manchester city he didn't look like he was up to it from the start but i thought he was certainly better in this match uh, and again it's hard to judge your players in a game when they're playing liverpool so i also take that with a grain of salt but i mean did you have any issue with antonio in the last game no not at all and i think what happens i maybe figured this out on my own you know smart brain this morning but i think what happens with uh, antonio is he puts in so much work right he puts in so much effort and he's just constantly grinding and pushing and attacking and back and forth, back and forth. That we see that, and that obviously as West End fans, that's I mean that's what we love. That's what we want to see all of our players do. But seeing him do that so much, and then sometimes the frustration might come back. That the end result is just the same as like say a Felipe Anderson or somebody else that's kind of just you know put in the okay right amount of effort, but the end result was the same. So I think that maybe that's where the frustration comes in from time to time is that he does put so much effort out into it but then the results are typically the same but yeah i didn't have any issue with him at all i thought he played well it was good to see him like you said out there for the entire match so take the positives where we can and that's got to be a mental hurdle for him too with the injuries he's had to stay out there for a whole 90 minutes which is great Mm -hmm. um the question i want to end with is a bit of a bastardized version of one sent prior to the game um people were calling for uh noble to be dropped in this one myself actually my predicted 11 didn't have noble in it uh, but uh, I digress. We we see um, the question starting to arise now about the captaincy, and this question basically says, should West Ham switch the captaincy over? But I want to get more specifically specific with it. Is it time to give Declan Rice the captain's armband over Mark Noble if both players are starting? If both players are starting, I'm still going to say no. I think that if Noble's still out there, he has earned and deserves to have that armband. But... I kind of agree with you. I mean, in a roundabout way, I think that, you know, maybe he shouldn't be part of the starting 11 anymore. And that'll that'll probably definitely ruffle some feathers. But there's a lot of truth to that because if Suchek is healthy and you have Fernals and a lot of other options there, you know, the midfield is getting crowded again. And Noble's kind of slowly, he's kind of slowly falling down off of that pecking order. But if they are both still out there, I still think that Noble needs to have that as just he's, you know, he's Mr. West Ham. He's been there forever natural born leader he has that kind of charismatic way about him to get you know to go over to whoever whoever's in charge of the match and kind of and just rough up with him a little bit we saw that this last night after a couple calls but i think that you know rice is growing but to answer your question yeah if they're both out there i still think noble deserves to have it yeah and using the match as a as a springboard i also think there was a couple things in the game that i didn't like that i saw from declan rice number Mm -hmm. one he's throwing his arms up and dropping his head back a a lot now when a ball doesn't go to him or is clear to put out for a corner when it could have been you know played out or something Mm -hmm. and when you see noble gets frustrated too but what he does he starts pointing to where it should have gone rather than just being like what are you doing come on or like getting overly frustrated he tries to organize organize what happened and sort of <clears throat> cut it out from the, the point there the point of it happening so that was one thing and another thing uh Declan Rice kicked the ball away on a foul he didn't think should have been a foul which right or wrong doesn't matter it was called uh he kicked the ball away and got a yellow card 
something you saw in this game from Noble was when a when a foul happened, he picked up the ball and had his arm around uh, John Moss and was saying, "John, John, come on, come on," and talking <laughs> yeah. to him. And Noble has that respect, right? He has that camaraderie with the referees he's been playing with for years. Mm-hmm. And, and Noble, I don't know if I said Rice there or not, but Noble has that, and that's something Rice has to really grow into, and it's something he can't get right away. He has to earn that, and I think there's a lot to be said for you know having the respect of other teams and and the referees to sort of do something like that. And and you know if Rice had picked up the ball and said like, hey, listen, I won the ball, there wasn't a foul there, have an eye, these guys are these guys are dropping, whatever. Mm-hmm. That would have been, you know, a, a, a real impressive moment where instead he does something immature, takes a yellow card, and then, you know, later in the game, if there's a counterattack happening, and he can't get to a player, you know, to make an interception. He lose, he's lost now the ability to take a tactical foul and take a yellow card, and he's now actively hamstrung the team. So th- there's bigger picture things that he hasn't shown yet. He's a natural born leader. He leads by example. When someone needs to pick up the ball, take it, go, make a difference. It's him doing it. Uh, he's a guy who will lead the team forward. He's got the leadership qualities in him. He has the poise at times. He just needs to be more, I think, committed to that and also more consistent with it. So, I know by no means am I writing off De- Declan Rice as the next captain of West Ham. If he's here, he will be it. I think the start of next season, he'll be the captain on the pitch because I think Mark Noble will be more of a rotational player should West Ham stay up. Thomas Suchek and Rice are your guys and uh, in the midfield. And you see Noble coming on to you know to relieve an extra striker, or relieve a winger, and you know settle the game down. That's what you need. Um, mm-hmm. But for right now, I'm with you. I'm, man, I'm like the long-winded version of you today. I just keep <laughs> talking and talking, but it's been so You're long. excited. You're excited, man. The, well, the passion is back, maybe. Dude, I'm yeah. telling you, this this time last week, it would not have been here. So I'm excited nope. that I'm I'm excited that I'm excited, as silly as that sounds, because, you know, there's a lot of positives going on with West Ham right now. And the players, you know, as much as we say like, oh, you know, they're in the real world, they don't care, whatever, you can clearly tell the players go on social media and, and read the comments and get mm-hmm. impacted. And to the credit of every West Ham fan on Twitter over the last day, um, even even today, I think, you know, I can't remember if it was transfer West Ham transfers or West Ham Central. If you, any of you guys are listening, apologize for getting it mixed up. One of them slated Fabianski and then came out today and said, hand up, I apologize for the comments I made. It was heat of the moment. And that emotion... When you don't care about a team, there's no emotion about it. You don't care. They're going to lose whatever. When you're mad, it's because you care. And, you know, sometimes that gets misdirected. And, you know, like, hand up, he apologized. That's the right thing to do, even when it is as silly as a social media comment. These players are human. They see that stuff. And, you know, if the players logged on social media, read their comments, read their mentions, yesterday it was positive. There's no one who who can really hang their head and, and say they didn't give a great performance yesterday. And... I'm I'm I for one and energized just by that energy. Yeah, I know that's exactly it. And to see the players there, and you know, I'll go back to the very beginning of this podcast. We're talking about how quiet Anfield got, when we, especially after we went up two one. It's you know, our fans as fickle as we get on them, you know, they they're always there, man. The passion's always there. The heart's always there, even if it's passion and heart for something like a protest. I mean, I thought it was fantastic seeing the the balloons. Uh, that whole uh, setup at the very beginning was—it was great. It was well done. I think any of the protests that we've had so far, and I think there might be another one coming up for this match at home. I think it's uh, a March, actually. Yeah, it, uh, it is a March. Yeah, um, it's—it's it's been well put together. You know, there, it's done by passionate people because we are passionate fans for this club. And regardless, you know, 
Everybody obviously wants to stay up. Nobody wants to get relegated. But it's not going to change. None of that's going to change if we go down to the championship or any of that change. We're still going to be excited to come on here and talk about West Ham. We're still going to have the passion and, you know, definitely obviously being biased because we are West Ham fans, but we're clearly one of the best fan bases out there. <laughs> we definitely have the most opinions, that's for sure. Um, and we it's care. It's part of us. Even if we're not born into it, it's definitely part of us. So this is uh, it's all excitement to see coming back. And it's just good times right now. Unless they just got to keep it going. It sounds weird to say we have good times after a loss, doesn't it? But, you know, either way, it's been Who's more exciting than what we've had. Yeah. And I'm happy about the protest. That's something I completely forgot. Hats off to those supporters mm-hmm. and fans who did that. Um, I, I think we all support those actions because they're making a statement. They're you know they're getting that many balloons past the Anfield security, getting the flags <laughs> in, and, and you know making a display. And then the second the whistle kicks off to start the game, support those players 100. percent You could hear bubbles ringing through uh, through the TV speakers. It, it was it was awesome. Uh, you know the traveling support for West Ham is is one A in the Premier League as far as we're all concerned, and, and you know they did everyone proud uh, when it comes to you know having a point of view, expressing that while also keeping the team in mind, supporting the team, and the players even on social media came out and said, uh, you know the support was immense. We heard you guys all day. Thank you for that. Thank you for supporting us. Fornals said that on his birthday message. The fans have supported him from the start. He's loved that. And Fabianski reference uh, is is being lauded by the supporters for coming over and apologizing after the game to the traveling yeah. fans. And, you know, that's that like makes my, that like gives me like the little happy feeling inside my chest. Like there's pride there. You want to talk about players that want to play for the team. Fabianski is one of them. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm happy that the supporters have stuck by him. Obviously mm-hmm. he's the hammer of the year. He's our guy. Um, Jeremiah, final thoughts before we log off. No, it's exciting, man. I think we've, I think I've covered, I, I kind of uh, threw all my last words out there in that last, last little part. I'm just excited to, to see what we got going on. Hopefully we can make a good run of it. Tough matches. I think, you know, you already said every match coming up is important, but the next one is Southampton. I don't want to sound cliche like a college football coach, but you know, we're just focused on the next match and, uh, <laughs> and moving on that way. But no, exciting times to be back and just glad to be a part of it. We're on to Southampton. Uh, for us at the Green Street Hammers, we're excited to talk to you guys next week, hopefully with three points in the bank. And until next time, come on, you guys.